The Law Report with Tyron Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. Well, not to confuse you, because Michael Bagram is normally here on the first Monday of the month, but at the beginning of this month, we had so many questions to get through, and we still have so many questions to get through, but we also want to take some calls from you. So Michael very kindly agreed to pop in for an extra program this month. So Michael, thank you very much, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we've got some very, very interesting questions. Mm. They go to the core of the labor law. They answer a lot of generic questions. So I think this is going to be very interesting. I know that I found it interesting. And so let's go through them this evening. I appreciate it. Right. So we've got, as we mentioned, some emails to get through. But um, we're going to be taking your calls a bit later. If you'd like to phone in in the meantime, the number is 0892 10 2010 just leave your name and contact number with my producer and we'll call you back as soon as we're done with the emails right well the first one michael is very long it's from chadiso and it's it's quite long but i'm not going to go through the whole thing um he says i was an atco i'm not quite sure what an atco do you know what an atco is with the atns company yeah these are names of companies okay from 2006 until 2012 he was subsequently dismissed for speaking non-english language on a radio frequency non-compliance with atc procedures and instructions with the firefighters it happened on the 5th of may in 2012 the disciplinary hearing was held on the 9th of july 2012 and was subsequently dismissed on the 26th of july he then launched proceedings against the dismissal at the ccma the matter was subsequently proceeded with on the 31st of august and himself the employer and the witnesses were all present the employer and the witnesses presented their case which was then adjourned to a date which the presiding officer was to announce at a later stage as he was being deployed to maracana for the whole month of september 2012 and um the listener says i was suffering from a distress related disorder which my employer was aware of though he never bothered to assist me and um there was a whole lot of problems and he apparently eventually the whole thing went off to the ccma and he, he apparently then launched the matter with the legal aid and there seemed to have been some sort of a big problem with the legal aid attorneys who didn't seem to be doing what they should be doing they didn't follow up he kept having to phone them all the time and then the case was being shifted from one person to the next and basically, he's got four questions after all of this went on. He says, why did they take eight months before they could tell me that they were not able to assist him? That was the legal aid people. Yeah. Um, why did they initially approve the case and then later refuse it, which was a big surprise, to their center manager, who even promised to take disciplinary action against the two? But unfortunately for me, that will not help, he says. Now, this is all to do with the legal aid situation. Yeah. When I reminded one particular person, I'm not mentioning any names here, about the six-month period that the CCMA officials told me about, he try to argue it by saying it's not six months but six weeks for the matter to be referred to the labor court from the ccma which sounded so contradicting of himself because if he knew about that why did he even bother to print something called a matter search paper that's dated november 2014 when he launched the matter on the 20th of, of um, may um, he says his right to be presented in the court of law was infringed as he'd made it clear to the gentlemen these ones at legal aid on his first consultation that they should advise me as soon as possible should they see that they are not able to help maybe i could have consulted with attorneys who offer pro bono services he says he's very frustrated okay let, let me let me just go backwards a little bit it is an interesting question and although it's long it it, it tells us a lot about the frustration uh, the public the public have mm. frustration because they don't understand how the system works it sometimes is a complicated system 
And many times I think employees get messed around to the extent that their unions don't help them, the legal aid boards don't help them, and sometimes attorneys don't help them at all, even if they're being paid. They just Sorry, don't get it right. Can I interrupt you for one second? The part, mm. I actually, I think the very important part that I left out here, he says, on the 3rd of October 2012, the matter was not dismissed, but proceeded in my absence, yeah. and the application was dismissed then. That's exactly what I was going to get to. What had happened was he was sick at the time. He had a distress-related disorder. And so what actually happened, he missed the date that mm. it was set down for, and he didn't know about it, and he said it was due to ill health. They then dismissed his case because he didn't give evidence, and the company gave evidence, and obviously they won the case. Now, the whole idea is to apply for a rescission of this case, and he then found out about it, and the days run only from when you find out. Um, they then start running against you. And what had happened was he went to legal aid, and they said, yes, we'll take it on. And for some reason or other, then they decided that they're not going to take it on. They didn't but they didn't really merit. tell him this. I mean, they kept shunting it from one person to the next here, by the, all accounts. There were two people involved here. Correct. But they eventually they took a decision that they won't take the case on, and then it was too late already. And if he's got a claim, I suppose it could be against the legal aid attorneys, Um a claim you can't now blame the business the employer mm. and at that stage you can't say to them well because my people messed up um it's your fault and therefore i'm still going to come and get it the, the real issue is our courts have been absolutely sound about this if your lawyer messes up you can't blame your your past employer it's your lawyer you must then have an application against the lawyers you can go to the law society, you can go to uh, the courts against them. So his real claim is not against his previous employer. If he can show that at least he had merits in his case in the first place, uh, he's got to have merits to say that he, he would have had a case done properly. But the bottom line is what I'm saying to you is his claim is against the lawyers that messed him around and not against the the, the company that employed him. I don't know why they took eight months before they could tell him they weren't able to dismiss. Only they can tell him that. So I don't understand what, what it is. And I don't understand why they first said yes and then said no, and then their manager was upset again. I, I wouldn't know. Um, but in fact, he did have the six months in which to do something. Um, his right to be represented in court was infringed, but it wasn't infringed by the CCMA or the Labour Court. It was infringed by his advisers. And he could have got an attorney on a pro bono service. So unfortunately, we can't help him at this point. He's now got to take legal action against his advisors. And that becomes a commercial uh, application. So would he have to then find himself a lawyer that's going to take this on pro Correct. bono and follow up Correct. from there? Okay. Right. Um, and then we've got two emails, one from Jacques and one from Nico. Uh, they both relate to... Uh, affirmative action. Um, basically, they wanted you to talk about affirmative action, and the one question is, what is the difference between affirmative action and BEE? Well, th there's a difference on the basis that affirmative action is where you are trying to correct the wrongs of the past, and you're trying to uh, level the playing fields between the previously disadvantaged and the previously disadvantaged is defined as um, black women, disabled and colored, um, and anyone that falls under those generic terms. very difficult in South Africa today to say, what are you, because we don't talk that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the bottom line is 
that's a specific type of legislation and falls under employment equity. And BEE is a system that's set up to advance black-owned business. And they've put up that system where you would get government help for BEE, for companies that are black-owned. Okay, right. We have an email here from Paul who says, the company that I've worked for for four and a half years is now in liquidation, having gone through business rescue. Three years ago, we noticed that our pension fund contributions to the Motor Industry Bargaining Council were not up to date and subsequently found out that the company had been allowed to pay the arrears off. Now with the company in liquidation, we note that MIBCO, which is the bargaining council, once again had allowed the company to slip into a situation whereby they are nearly one year in, a, in arrears. MIBCO's standpoint now is that the employees who had contributed monthly to the fund will only receive eight cents in the rand, which is what the liquidators will pay them out as a creditor. My complaint is that MIBCO have acted with gross negligence by allowing the company to be in arrears a second time and also that there was no consultation with the employees to allow the company to pay off the arrears. Evidently, they do have the right to seize assets of any defaulting company to offset any non-payments and this should have been exercised within the first month of non-payment. MIBCO, as requested over a month ago, have also not issued me with a detailed statement of my contribution plus growth so that I can work out exactly what has not been paid versus my total contributions as reflected on my pay slips. That is horrendous. Yes, it is horrendous. And unfortunately, the story that is told over here is not a, not a new one. And I don't think it's going to be new. Uh, it's not going to be repeated. It will be repeated. And I think this is not only grossly unfair, but I think it's illegal and there should be action taken against the the MIPCO itself if this story is absolutely correct. Um, it's, it's criminal to take monies off an employee and then not hand it over to the, the fund. That's criminal. But it looks like they were handing over the employee's money, but they weren't handing over their own. And the complainant is correct. They did seem to act with gross negligence because they should have stepped in earlier. To, to allow this to go into arrears, it means that it's t stealing money from the employees who are earning the money. It's their money that should have been paid over and somehow hasn't done it. It was the second time. So I sympathize absolutely entirely. Unfortunately, the company's gone. But what, what is so horrible is, I mean, it's their pension fund and they're going to get eight cents in the rand. Which is, well, only eight cents in the rand of the company's contribution, yeah. I think. Not their own. That was paid over. But again, this is not fair and hopefully they will have fair um, liquidators who can step in and sell off everything and then maybe pursue no, the directors. Nobody says our pension fund contributions to MIBCO are not up to date. Well, that's the pen I'm, I'm hoping that it's the company's it contribution sounds like too, his. but if it's his, then it means that there's fraud. Then it'll be easier. Then, they, then you can go and lay a criminal charge against the individual um, directors, not against the company, directors, because they've stolen the money. Uh, they took, took money off someone's salary and they use it for something else. Now the directors become personally responsible, and I think there's a criminal case. Because he here. says here he's still waiting for a detailed statement of his contribution well, plus growth. Once, once he's got he that. He says to work out what has not been paid versus my total contribution yeah. as reflected on my pay slip. So it's, it's their money. It's not the company money by all well, accounts. Uh, if, if that's the truth, then they've got a criminal case there. So he, hopefully he'll pass it on oh to goodness. the police as well. I'm just looking at the list of callers that are waiting to come through. We've still got quite a few emails. We'll have to go quite fast here, Michael. Right, Bongiwe yeah. says, I would like to find out what recourse I have for the following issue. 
The organization that I work for is a member of Nahawu. They have not been dealing with our labor issues accordingly. As some, at some stage, we, the employees, terminated our membership with Nahawu and joined PSA. When Nahawu realized that they are no longer receiving membership fees from our organization, they immediately proposed to have a meeting with us, yet prior to that, we were informing them of our frustrations and they weren't coming to the party. They sent us a regional representative to persuade us to rejoin. Guess what? The only issue they handled for us was the salary negotiations. All grievances were or are not done. I'm not sure of the period that we have been back with them, but it's almost a year because we are a month away from salary negotiations. I called the Nahawi rep to find out if Nahawi is a recognized union by our organization. If it's not, why? And if it is, why have we not selected shop stewards? To date, he has not responded. What I want to know is how do we deal with this? Some of the employees are scared to pursue their grievances as they feel protected. I would imagine they don't feel protected. Yet, on the other hand, the grievances might be affected when taken to the CCMA because of the period taken to report the matter. How do we tackle this? Well, this is a story that we've heard many times, Mm. and it's not just against Nahawu, it's against all trade unions. For some reason, we're seeing trade unions are a business. They're not helping the employees. They're not going back to the bread and butter issues. They're not looking at the actual grievances that are on the ground. They're members. Their members are, in fact, their bosses, and it's not the other way around. But here we have the tail wagging the dog, dog, and Nahawu has been absolutely negligent. Obviously, the employees voted with their feet when they terminated their membership, but then they went back. I'm not sure why they went back. And the regional rep needs to be wrapped on his knuckles because he just somehow hasn't got back and given them answers. And they're not dealing with any of the grievances. I strongly suggest that, in fact, the business does recognize Nahawu, but Nahawu is not doing anything. And they should consider possibly another union. Because he said they went to PSA and then they went back to Nahawi for yeah, some reason. Correct. Yeah, correct. I'm not sure why. But even PSA might be too fat and bloated. They need to get an active union that is prepared to help them. And I think their shop stewards, they should go ahead anyway and select their own shop stewards. And then the shop stewards can tackle the union and possibly move them to another union. Because he also says he's a bit concerned about the grievances now because of the delay. If there's going to be a problem if they're taken well, to course. the CCMA. Of course, the employer is going to say, but you know, the grievance that you raised is a year old. Mm. And you did nothing about it then. Why are you suddenly waking up now? And then what is the, the time frame? There, I can't isn't, there isn't really a time frame for something of this of a grievance. But anyone will tell you that justice delayed is justice denied. And likewise, if you go with a grievance and you land up at the CCMA or at a bargaining council, they're going to say, but this happened two years ago. Why are you complaining about it now? That's a bit ridiculous. It hasn't happened since then. Um, So there's no recourse on that one. And then they're going to say, but this is far too long. And it doesn't help to say, well, our union did nothing about it. They'll say, well, then go moan at the union. And again, we're seeing cases creep through where unions are negligent and employees are banding together and suing their union. So I think that's a particularly interesting case as to what is what you can do over here. But I think the first step is for them to appoint shop stewards themselves, let those shop stewards then inquire what's going on, put some limits down. If you don't come back to us by Friday, we're then changing our union. They can resign. You can give the union a month's notice. It must be in writing. And then they can find a union that will actually represent them. And we're finding that many of the bigger unions are bloated and not doing it. That's why NUMSA walked out of Kasatu, saying that the other unions aren't doing their job. And we, we're going. So, unfortunately, the only way you can do this is by voting with your feet and changing what, what exists. And a lot of people don't like change, but they must have change. 
Right, next email from Job. Um, he actually called into the <clears throat> excuse me the show last week and uh, then emailed me because it was more relevant for you. He says, my uncle fell off the stepladder at work and as a result he sustained injuries to his arm and his back. At the time of the incident he temporarily lost mobility and he was carried from the position of the fall and taken inside the truck. He was then driven to the general practitioner and he did not get assistance and was referred to the local clinic. He could not be assisted there as well due to the unavailability of doctors. He was then referred to a government Sebokeng hospital where he got admitted. The WCL2 forms were not filled in by the employer and submitted to the hospital. My uncle spent a month in hospital waiting for the surgical plate to arrive so the doctors could perform the medical procedure on his arm. During this time he did not receive any salary when he was incapacitated in hospital. He was discharged and the hospital gave him a sick note to take back to his employer. The WCL4, the first medical report, was not given to him and to me. This means the hospital treated this incident as a normal injury, not an injury on duty. He took the forms to his employer and was told that he needs to take the compensation claim forms back to the hospital. He inquired about his salary and the answer he got was no work, no pay. He explained that he's booked off until April this year and his employer insisted that he won't be paid if he isn't at work. I then advised my uncle to go open a case and ask to see the Labour Inspector of the Department of Labour in Funderbale Park. He was told by the ladies at reception that the merit of his case does not warrant the case to be open with the DOL and he's not entitled to any payment as he has not accumulated leave days. He went to the Vereniging Department of Labour, still could not open the case. The procedure for reporting and recording the occupational incident was not followed at all. My questions are as follows. If it can be proved that my uncle was injured due to the employer's negligence, what recourse do we have? He has a plate with screws inserted on him and will this qualify as a partial disablement? What steps should we take? But, I mean, it sounds to me like he was injured on duty. Yeah, he certainly mm. was. He fell right? off a step ladder at work. at work. So he was injured on duty. It is an IOD an injury on duty, and they had to, as an employer, fill in the correct WCL forms. Apparently they didn't. He has to get paid by the employer the first three months. He's entitled to it by law. The Department of Labor, by law, the Workman's Compensation, has to treat this case, has to get the employer, they have to follow up and get the employer to fill in the forms. And in fact, he should be writing to the head office of the Workmen's Compensation Commissioner and in fact what I'm going to do uh, with your permission is I'm going to send you to SAFM all the contact details of the people at the Department of Labor. Um, I've got all those contact details because people keep phoning me at Bagram's attorneys to say follow <laughs> okay. up on this and I'm saying I don't normally do cases like this but I can give you all the details. I've now found some responsible people and this is now after two years of really desperately trying. I found one or two responsible people at the Department of Labor who are doing it. There's a new director general. Um, I think we need to praise him. Um, he has put some responsible people in place. He's got years and years of problems that he's now going to have to try and sort out. But hopefully I can try and help Shepard. Uh, on this particular one. So what I'll do is you'll put it on your Facebook page. Well, I'll email him directly email as well. Shepard directly yeah. so we can give him some details of people to get hold of because what's but, happened but, here is an absolute disaster. But how can the Labour Inspector or the, the office there tell him that his case doesn't warrant well, being know, opened? The rot became, starts at the head and unfortunately we've had some absolutely incompetent people at the Workmen's Compensation Commissioner's office 
who are just not interested, have not written back to people for 10 years. This is the Department of Labor that he went to yes, offices, for the Bell Park and for Renaka. Workman's compensation falls mm. under the Department mm. of Labor. And if the Department of Labor, the inspectors are telling you, sorry, we can't help you get out of here, it's because they're taking the cue from their leaders. And government is rotten with us, unfortunately, and I have to say it. But, like I said, there is a new um, Director General, and I think... I'm hoping and I'm praying that this new director general does his job well. By all accounts, what my experience has been in the last month is that it is starting to work. And I need to publicly praise him. Well, that sounds very good. And I'll give you his name and contact details and he'll pass it on to the right people. Okay, we've got to move on now because we've got some callers waiting. Um, Eddie wanted to know about, we're talking about disability on the disability show the other day, and he wanted to know, he applied for a job that was advertised by a recruiting agency. He was asked to complete a questionnaire, and which also authorized the consultant to do a credit check. He wants to know if that's labor law practice. Well, they can do a credit check. They normally ask up front, can we do a credit check on you? If you say yes, then yes, that's, that's, that's good labor practice. If you say no, they can't do it. The reason why people ask for credit checks is if you're going to be working for with money or with valuables, and that's why they ask, and they need to know. You can't just do it as a fishing expedition to see if I need to know whether Michael Bagram's got good credit record or not. That's not fair. But if, in fact, you are working with money, then that would be, would be the issue. Right, Wiseman's called in, so we're not going to do his email because he's already called us, so that's fine. We'll get hold of him in a moment. Tabu says he was unfairly dismissed on the, in 2011. The case is at the Labour Court in Johannesburg. The company does not want to pay nor reinstate me. What can I do? Well, if they won't pay or reinstate, then he has to take the... He has to go, go obviously. It, I'm not sure what actually happened here, um, I'm not sure if the Labour Court has ordered payment or reinstatement, or is he still waiting for the Labour Court? Doesn't because say much. It yeah. doesn't say much, but the end of the day is he must wait for his court date, he must fight his case, and obviously companies are going to defend themselves. That's the nature of litigation. You have two sides to the story, and some people say, no, we've done nothing wrong, so therefore we're not going to pay you or reinstate you, but he's got to explain why he believes he was unfairly dismissed. And the bottom line is that he, if he wins the case, well, then great. It was except this was done in 2011, and I'm not sure why he still doesn't have an answer from the He Labor says it's point. still there. It's a bit long. Okay. Another um, one says, I resigned at the city of Johannesburg on the 25th of January. I served my notice period for five weeks. Last Friday was my last. I didn't get my salary. I went to inquire at our central HR department and discovered that my documents were not, were not submitted on on time went to my union imatu and they were of no help i'm still without my salary what can i do well, once again i'm going to knock the union because this is their very job this is the essence of their job to start worrying about who gets what position in government afterwards is not fair but imatu should have actually helped him they know how to do it and to not pay someone their five weeks is fraudulent and they can get it right last email um, says, I worked for three months on a contract at a particular company. I won't mention the name. I worked overtime during November and December, even on Sundays. Now they don't want to pay me my overtime. I've tried my best to beg them. Now I think it's time for legal route. Where should I start? Since they promised to pay me at the end of January and now I'm still waiting. I've just called them. This the three different emails. And then now I've just called them to give me my register. They say they've lost my book register that I wrote my hours in. Okay. Well, obviously, again, the employer has to pay overtime they've got no choice 
And the, the port of call is to go to the Department of Labor if the person's earning under the, the regulation, under the 2,500, 205,000 rand per annum. They can go to the department. The department will follow up. And it's for the company to prove, not for the employee to prove, but for the company to prove that there was no overtime. The employee obviously has kept her own Well, they've own lost record, it now. But she would have kept her own records as well. She'll probably know that on this day she worked, on that Sunday she worked. Probably look at her old diary. Um, and if they've lost it, they can't argue with her. She can tell them when she worked overtime. And then that's the end of this inquiry. And an inspector will make them pay. Right, let's go to the lines. Our number, in case you want to call us, we're talking about labour law tonight. It's a special edition. Michael Baker has popped in again in the middle of the month because we just seem to have so many calls and emails from all of you when he's here. Um, our first call, Wiseman in KwaZulu-Natal. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Uh, uh, I, I think you've got my email yes, there. Yes, we I, do. Yes. Mm. Um, maybe can I just have an answer there so that I can make a follow-up? Okay, well, you just want to tell the listeners, Wiseman, because I haven't read out your email and the listeners oh, won't okay. know. Just very briefly I, what the problem is. All right. I was dismissed. I was working for Correctional Services, and I was dismissed on the, uh, November 2012. And my rep from Pop Group did not refer my matter to, to, to bargaining council in time. So I, I made a follow-up, and... My case was delayed by 106 days uh, uh, to, uh, for referral to, to bargaining council, and the commissioner turned down and uh, rejected my 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 my, uh, my application for, for for referral. And uh, when I went to them, they said I am the one who caused the delay. That is why they they they, they could not help me. So I just want to know because I've I've taken my listening to to labor court and the Westlock clinic. The labor court they are. Uh, they, they, they are still busy with it. I just want to know if it can still be reviewed because the head, the head office of Pop Group, uh, they said they could not review the matter because there are no new reasons why the matter was delayed. So my rep will be expelled from the organization. So I will just have to accept my my dismissal. Although I, I uh, there are cases cases of the similar offense. People are, are, are reinstated, they are back at work, and mine, it's, it's, uh, it's like they, 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 it's finished, according to them. This is so yet, they, yet uh, another case of a union, and it's just becoming a recurring theme tonight. Yeah, let me, Wiseman, and I'm sorry to hear what's happened to you, and I must tell you, I don't think you're going to have any joy. I don't think you're going to be successful by now trying to raise us up in the court again against the... Um, the correctional services. I don't. Th I don't think that's where your problem lies now. If yeah, your if your case was a strong one, which it sounds like it was, because you're saying colleagues of yours had similar cases and they were reinstated. If your case is a strong one and the merits are good, prospects of success are high. What yeah. you need to do now is you're going to have to take action against your union, against the rep and the union, and yeah. you will find lawyers who can help you with that, and they will sue the union. For what your losses are, yes, I, I have taken them to to labour to Vetslock clinic. So, yeah. but uh, the other thing I want to know is how can I maybe work out how much that I can claim from them because it's their negligence. That's what the commissioner had said. He said he cannot be held the, the, the department as a uh, the first they cannot be held responsible for the negligence of my my union. Correct. So you're not going to sue the department. You, no, it's not, not the gonna, department. It's the union. That it's is the there. union. So you have to now work out what you would have got if you got reinstated and go back three years. 
That's what or, you're going to do. Then you will be up until until now. Yes, and claim your full salary until now. From February 2013 until... It's November 2012. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, okay. what it is. The muscle was confirmed, yeah. Yeah, but they're not, they say there's no law that says I can claim that amount because what I was advised is that I can, because I was, if, if had the, the union had done their job, I would have been reinstated. The, the, the prospect of success were high. So I was going to save another 19 years. So I was advised that maybe I can still claim the money that I was going to work up until I reached the age of 60. Is that uh, something like that? Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think that's going to be sustainable. I don't think the court would look at that. But they would look at least your salary from the date from when you were dismissed to the date and when you get a court judgment, which can take you three or four years. So I think yeah. that's what you got to do. Um, I wouldn't be looking for the 19 years. I think that might be... Pushing your luck. Yeah. So it's impossible that the Labour Court will, will, will review the matter. Oh, yes, they should look at it, and you must sue the union. Those are the people. Yes, I've got say. two cases one yeah. in Labour Court and one at that law clinic. That is uh, perfect. That is, uh, yes. Yeah. No, no, I wish you good luck because you need to do it not just for yourself, but unions yeah. need to know that people go and they pay good money every month to be a member and expecting results, they're expecting protection. And you've yes. got exactly the opposite. They dropped you right in the middle of it. Not, yes, because, you know, that guy did not say why the matter was delayed. I was rushing him to say, hey, have you done the application? He kept on saying, yes, he changed the email. Wow. So I suspected the foul play because Michael is involved in the top management. Yeah, now you've, well, been, good you've luck. been done a dirty. I'm yeah, sorry good luck, Wiseman. Go All for right, it. Let you. us know how it goes, yeah? I'll listen thank to you. the radio. Yeah, let us, let us know how it goes. All right, staying in Durban, Zweli, good evening. Yes, good evening, uh, Karen and uh, Mr. Parkman. How can we help you, Zweli? Yes, I've got uh, two questions there, a quick one. Uh, the first one is regarding uh, job inherent requirements. I would like to know if the job requirements are compulsory to be stated on the job advert, or one should only discover that there were job inherent requirements when there is a dispute. And then the second question is, what is the role of the employment equity plan and is, is it uh, compulsory for the employers to, to stick to the employment equity plan? Those are the two questions. Okay, thank you. Yes, the first one is an important one, um, the job requirements itself. Sometimes the adverts aren't fully explanatory. They don't fully outline all the requirements of the job. Of course, what the, what the job should be done, what they should do in the uh, advert is give the major job requirements that are expected. So obviously, if you're going to be applying to be a truck driver, and they should actually put in that you need a truck driver's license. Now that's a major job requirement, and it should be there. And to find out afterwards that they didn't put that as a requirement, I don't think is fair, and I don't think it's right. And I think you can challenge that. If, it, if they give you the job, and then they say, well, you haven't met the job requirements, I think the fault is theirs and not yours as an employee and an applicant. So that's the first issue. With regard to the employment equity and the plan, employers put the plan together themselves with the employees. They, they sit as a committee and they put it together themselves, and they actually have to target that plan. And if they don't target the plan and they don't, get, they don't try and match the plan, then they're going to get fines. And so it's a real problem, and they have to follow it. There's no choice. <coughs> but is it compulsory? Yes. 
if you've put, you see, they make it compulsory in the sense that you put the plan together yourself. Company, okay. the management, and the employee. And they then okay. send that to the Department of Labor. And they say to the department, this is what we're going to follow. But then okay. they've set it themselves. So then it becomes yes. compulsory. Okay. No, many thanks. Thanks, Willie. Good night. Right, thanks for the call. Gosh, we're staying in Durban. We seem to be stuck <coughs> in Durban this evening. Uh, Zakeli, good evening. Yes, uh, good, good evening, Karen and the guests. Hi, how Hi. can we help you, Zakeli? Yes, I uh, um, wanted to ask here, uh, what constitutes the dismissal? Because I would like to state my case. Uh, I, was term- I was terminated in 2014, in March 2014. Right. Uh, my services were terminated uh, by the Department of Education. And the matter went to so their argument is that uh, um, uh, I had I had I had no contract of employment with them in 2014. They were saying there, there was n- nothing that was signed to say that I was their employer in 2014. Okay, in, 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 in they, they say there was uh, my there was nothing that I signed. Uh, to state that I was their uh, uh, employer, I, I I was their uh, uh, employee, but now here uh, the problem is that I worked uh, from January to March 2014, and I was paid uh, for January and February. But I was actually... no, I was not paid for 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 March. Uh, okay. So now uh, my case now uh, I'm trying uh, to put my case in paper court. So now my question is, is this, how can I prove that I worked for them in 2014 and that I was not aware that uh, 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 my services were terminated uh, by the end of 2013 because they, they gave me a letter, the 2013 upon, uh, appointment letter in 2014, so saying that I've been employed from January 2013 uh, to December 2013. But I got the letter in 2014. So now, uh, they, now they were saying in their head of argument, um, uh, I was given a letter in the beginning of my contract in 2014, stating that uh, my contract would end at the end of 2013. But I continued from January to March. Uh, but I was paid for January and February, and then yeah. I was not paid in, in March. Okay. And okay, let me I, I was terminated without any notice. My contract was terminated. There was no, there was nothing that said that maybe I'll, I'll be terminated in March. Okay. Well, I, 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 I was terminated on the 4th of March, 2013. So now I'm asking, how can I prove in a... In a I can explain that to you. Okay, so Kelly, just give Michael a chance to answer you. I can explain that to you. You got a contract from A date to B date, and you saying you didn't get the contract. It's for them to prove that you did get the contract on that time. You can say you didn't, but that's not even the important part anymore. What's more important is that when that contract came to an end, you still carried on working, and they still carried on paying you for two months. For, For January and February, you got paid. So for them now, it's for them to prove that you knew that you weren't supposed to be there and why did they pay you? So the onus shifts onto them. They have to prove, not you. 
You don't have to prove anything. You can say, I was there, I worked, and I didn't get paid for that last month or my notice month. And then you should win this case because they paid you for the two months with no contract. In fact, you could possibly argue that you thought you were there now permanently because the short-term contract had come to an end, and now you're working there. And you're working from month to month, and you could even say that, in fact, I thought I'd be there forever. So well, I think it's for them to prove, not for you. Oh, and you should okay. win the case. You understand that you might have thought you were there now forever because the contract came to an end and they carried on letting you have your salary. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay, right. Good luck. Right. Thanks. Thank okay, good night, Chief. Gosh, we're still in Durban. That's amazing. Robin, good evening in Durban. Good evening, ma'am. Hi. Hi. How are you? Very well. Uh, Michael, you well? Yeah, all yeah, good. Michael's Thank always you. well. How are you Thanks doing, Robin? Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. No, I was just uh, concerned. You see, I work in the industry, the clothing industry, and I was in a provident one. Right. And I worked for about, the first company I worked for about four years, then the second company for about 12 years. Right. And thereafter, I... I was dismissed, and uh, I collected unemployment for one year, and thereafter I went to seek my provident fund, and uh, they reckon it's work research because six months is expired. Is that legal or just my contract? No, 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 that doesn't sound legal at all. It sounds like someone's cheating you out of something. I think what you need to do is you need to get hold of the pension fund ombudsman. Um, ombudsman. Not, uh, the ombudsman. There's a pension fund ombudsman. I don't have the details, and I'm going to give Corin a whole lot of work to I do. I don't have them at uh, my computer <laughs> at my office. I don't yeah. have them here with me, though. But, yes, so, so what we could do is we will put it on the Facebook page or we'll put it on the, the website the pension fund ombudsman details so that if anyone's got problems with pension funds and especially the problem that you're outlining to us now, you can yeah. write you can write directly to the ombudsman and they will investigate it for you. Robin, if, Robin, if you can, one, Robin, yes. if you can you email me? Yeah, sure. Send me an email law at safm.co.za. Okay. And I'm also, it's uh, twenty years old. Doesn't matter. I, you can still I investigate. terminated my services in 1992. Yeah, but your provident fund should still be sitting there. It doesn't. It doesn't evaporate. It should still be there. No, but do you know what they told me is that uh, they got no records. Well, let the ombudsman tackle them for that. They can't throw records away. All right, coming. Uh, staying with that topic. Uh, while I was in the provident fund, I was also paying pension, and uh, while paying pension. Uh, uh, I was a shop salesman, as well, and uh, they only paid me the, the the limits that I paid. They never paid me. You know, I did dismiss me. They only paid me my portion. They never gave me. Okay, I don't know what the rules were of that. All right, I don't want to tackle two things at one yeah. time. Yeah. Well, you can the, speak to the pension fund ombud about both yes, of those. Correct. All right, thanks so much. Send, send me an email, Robin, and I'll send you the contact details for the Pension Fund Ombudsman. Thank you. But there is a winning case, yeah. Well, you'd well, have to, we'd speak, we'd to, have the to speak to the Ombud. I don't know what the rules were of the Pension well, Fund. Well, it's 1,002, but I want to challenge them. 
Okay, well, just send me an email, Robin, and I'll send you all the contact details. Email me to law at safm.co.za, and I'll send you the contact details for the pension okay, fund. Thank ombud. you very much. Thanks, thank Robin. You. Good night. Bye bye. bye. Oh my goodness, you've moved away from Durban. We're in Velcom now. Becky, good evening. Uh, good, good evening, Karen. Hello. Uh, and your guests, how are you? Very right, well. Good, thank you. How can we help you, Becky? Yeah, fine, man. Uh, listen, man, um, currently I'm an employed in Velcom in one of Sohosan Group, is a casino group. And uh, previously I was employed in uh, the same group in, in Durban, KZN, and uh, I was dismissed there. The, the charges were misconduct. And uh, in 2013, and they, uh, upon my dismissal, the case was when it went to CCMA, and I was given two letters by the company. Of some of the one of them stated that you are saved as a, an employee from this time to the say, to the first of December 2011, and that date I was dismissed. Right. And it said, it said, it said my contract has ended. In December, my contract, of which my contract was not a contract that was renewal, and uh, it also says that they, uh, we further confirmed that the termination of his contract of employee was the reason communicated to the KZN gambling board, and also advised that we will not oppose of his application for any gambling board to reissue his gambling license. Of which, in 2013, I did apply for one of the units in in Christie. I was um, which currently I'm an employee. I did explain to them, and I did hand in these letters. I worked in there from 2013, and on 2014, uh, 2014 last year, around July, there was a position for supervisors, which is a higher position than what I'm at currently in. So I applied for it, and it, I, I did go to the interview, and I uh, I was successful. While I, I was signing the form, then the HR manager came back to me and said, you cannot give me this position because of what happened previously at uh, in KZN. So uh, he, was, he suspended me for one day, and uh, uh, the following day I was called, and then to I was given a choice whether I want to go to the hearing for what happened, to explain to them what happened previously, or as I want, if I want the position that I was already uh, a supervisor's position. But if I don't want that, I can actually just don't do anything, just start with my uh, current position, of which I chose to start to carry on with my current position. So I want to find out that that they have the right that they can, actually at this moment they can fire me if they decided that they want to take back what happened previously, or else the position that was given to me, uh, if it happened, that, that means I cannot reapply in any other time for that yeah. higher position. Well, Does I, they have the right yeah. to do that? I understand your position absolutely fully, and my strong feeling is, <clears throat> excuse my throat, my strong feeling is that, in fact, what happened to you was very unfair because they'd already given you a letter saying they won't hold it against you, and I think that's wrong what they've done, and to now suddenly rake it up again is discriminatory, and I think it's very wrong, and I think you need to try and pick this up with your union um, don't make it a personal thing, otherwise they're going to pick on you. But you need to investigate it, because otherwise it puts a ceiling on all future promotions that you might get, and that ceiling is not fair. So I think what, which, I think it's wrong. Of which currently, what are you saying? That it's, it's uh, I have with other unit, the very same units, but the other one is in, in housing now. They did offer me a job, which I was every the form was given to me, and even I was even saving the notice. Right. And then it's come back back to me, and they say, uh, 
Okay, they're not going to hold me responsible for what happened previously because now my record is with the, in, in the free state. It's not in case at end. Yeah. But now they need me to save another uh, uh, at least two years so they can employ me to that end. Uh, I need to reapply again. Actually, I was supposed to start in December, this past December. Well, so I'm, I'm not sure why they're telling you that because they've mm. already withdrawn the, the issue against you. It's like saying, all right, we're not going to give you a bad mark. Uh, we're going to take it away. But when you try and apply for an increase or a better position, they then say, no, but you've got a bad mark. So I don't, I don't like that, and I think it's unfair, and I think it's wrong in industrial relations. So how can I take it up, Mike? What I said to you, don't take it up personally. Rather take it up through a union. You're a member of a union. You must take it up through a union. Yes, I am, but I've tried and I've involved them, but it seems like I don't get much anyway. Then it might be worth going to an external lawyer, and it's worth it if you, if you can. I'm not sure if you're victimization on the way. No, that, that's always <laughs> a problem. I understand that, and I respect that. And I, uh, You need to think this through yourself. I mean, if you're asking me as a lawyer, uh, a lawyer is not a person who can give you uh, business advice. You might get victimized and you might be picked on. And that's what I'm worried about. And that's why I thought you'd rather do it through the anonymity of a union who doesn't say who it is and tries to mm. through the head office. And if I were you, if your local shop stewards can't help you, try and get hold of some of the union officials and they can take it up as a test case, not for you, not for yes. your name. But to say, yes. if this happens, what would you do in these circumstances? And then try and challenge at that. And they meet the company every few months. They meet, they meet the the various companies. And I think it's okay. worth, it's worth, I think it's worth doing it that way. But don't, don't put your name out there. Let them rather use it as a test. Yes. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Pleasure, Becky. Good luck to you. Thanks for the call. Gosh, that sounds like an awful situation. Yeah. Right, Eldorado Park, we're off to next. Bernard, good evening. Good evening to you, Karen, and good evening to Mr. Barone. Hi, good uh, evening. I might sound a little bit nervous, guys, because I'm really nervous and very, very emotional. Okay. I had a case in 2011. I'm not going to call the, the financial uh, institution. Uh, I have been through three lawyers. One was a labor lawyer who sadly passed on. The second one was an advocate. Advocate, unfortunately, I had to take the case away from him. I'm currently now with a certain attorney. Now, for two years, did uh, the three uh, letter, uh, not a letter, the two first attorneys sat with the case, but it didn't do anything. Although in all three uh, cases with the attorneys, it is based on a contingency plan. This is now six years later. Oh, now, yeah. the current attorney is busy with the financial institution concern, and that we started about last year ago. Now, we are trying to get a so-called uh, what is con- condonation. Uh, condonation from yeah. them, which they refuse. My current attorney is currently busy with uh, drafting up condonation. Uh, the case is registered at a... At a, at a at the labor court for a review. Right. Now, my stance is now it, it, it's almost six years later. Do I still have a valid case knowing that I do have an attorney? And in my uh, application, you know, I ask for reinstatement. Depending on the merit of the case, 
Do I still have a case regarding, you know, the merit of the case? Or because I also remember I did phone in, not phone in Karen, uh, uh, send you an email regarding, you know, uh, regarding the backlog of the cases at the CCMA. Mm. And I was told it can take up to two to three years. And I said, do I still have a case knowing that I do have a, a current attorney that is dealing with my with my case? Okay, let me let me start at the at the the last part of the question. The merits are completely divorced from the condemnation uh, in these in the sense that once your merits are good and forget about the lightness, forget about all the time. If you yeah. feel that your merits of your case were good, in other words, you were unfairly dismissed. If, and if you can show that those merits are good, then don't confuse it with the condemnation yet, with the days late. So what you do is you say, all right, these are the merits, and you handle those merits, and if they're good, your attorney will tell you they're good or bad or indifferent. It sounds like their merits are good, because your attorney is still willing to try. He then applies for the condemnation. He's got to explain why the delay took place. Why is it so long? He then couples that explanation with the merits of the case. And he can't blame previous attorneys, although he's probably going to have to, because the court might say, well, then you must sue the previous attorneys. The one passed you away. Must, you must go, well, you can go against the estate, or you can go to the law society and complain. And I think maybe your current attorney maybe should investigate with the law society what's the best route to take, because it might not be against your employer anymore. It might be against your previous advisors. So yes, I, I know that you're emotional, but you need to keep your head strong right now because at, at the end of the day, you need to investigate within who you're going to sue. Because if it's six years, I don't think a court is going to be that keen to reinstate anyone. That's for sure. That's it, yes, I understand. And that was what the current attorney informed me yeah. about it. And also, if I can mention, Mr. Bahrain, that I was in... I'm going to say I had a good relationship with the executives and the current executives of the so-called institution. And I deeply haze with them in writing as well as verbally to discuss subjectively, you know, the merits of the case. But for some reason, I was by their attorneys, yeah. you know, yeah. to refrain from doing so. So uh, they also advised me like to take, you know, the, uh, the, the, the two previous attorneys yeah. to the Law it's, Society. It sounds, it sounds like you should be at the Law Society because it sounds like the legal profession has let you down very badly. And unfortunately, uh, being part of that profession, I do see that on occasion. And this is one of those occasions where I think the lawyers have let you down. We keep blaming trade unions. We keep blaming people who are late because they don't do anything. But I think you've been let down by the profession. Uh, Mr. Baron, tell me, man, because as I said, this thing is so emotional and so close to me, you know, for the past six years. In, uh, my current attorney is busy with it, you know. Is there still scope for me to have my day in court? Because he told me that, you know, the uh, the case will never, never just disappear. It has to be heard, depending on, uh, you know, how we're going to tackle it. So can you tell me that? You know, I should still keep my head high because really there was a lot of injustices done unto me. Yeah, I, I think at least give it this last bash, otherwise you're never going to know. So I think let him go ahead with it. He's doing it on a contingency basis. It means you don't pay him unless you're successful. And ask him to investigate with the Law Society about your previous advisors. Okay.
Thanks, Bernard. Good luck to you. Thanks. Good night to you. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've got very few minutes left here. Herman in Durban, if you can be very quick, we can take your call. Good evening. Hi, I'm Herman. Uh, I'm employed at the Ichigwini municipality. I'm there for 31 years now. 31? Yeah, 31 years. And and my uh, union is uh, Imatu. Right. The thing is this, I hadn't uh, had been working there for some time now, and not uh, not once I had been uh, 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 there had been any discipline against me because I had been doing my work fine. Right. Now, recently, I was diagnosed with uh, uh, sleep apnea and narcolepsy. So, uh, in in the month of January, I went a couple of days late to work. Right. And last year, uh, in December. I was hijacked and my motor vehicle was taken away. At the present, I don't have no motor vehicle. Right. Now, my uh, superiors, they've, they failed to take any action at the time when they noticed me coming late. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they uh, want to move straight for that uh, uh, clause uh, 112.1, which means they give you a... a a, wa- a written warning, and that thing lasts for six months. Yeah. And if you get caught again, then uh, you are dismissed. But now there, there is a procedure there. If you get, if they catch you doing something wrong, or if, like if there is a misconduct or something, they are supposed to give you a verbal, verbal warning first. And they, they're supposed to have the HR there and to make it formal. Okay, and, Herman, and we've got one minute left. So if it's, let me let me uh, try and answer you, Herman. First of all, you need to very quickly have your um, disabilities registered with the with the institution, with your employer. Those disabilities need to be recognized by HR. You need to put it in writing from your doctors to them, especially the narcolepsy, if that makes you late. And also what you need to do is you need to call for a review of all the warnings that you have had in line of that. Over and above all that, I would also raise a grievance. Um, Hopefully you're a member of a union. If you're not, raise the grievance in terms of the grievance procedure so that they know exactly what the problem is. And so you can defend yourself properly because it looks like someone's gunning for you. I'm sorry that we can't really take much more, but we unfortunately run out of time. I but your, your, the first thing to do is to register the, the illness. Absolutely. Thank okay, you. Thank you. I'm really okay, sorry we you. don't have thank more you. time, but thanks for getting through. My thanks once again this evening to Labour Law Attorney Michael Bagram, and he's been my guest on the special edition of The Law Report this evening. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday the 6th of April, and that's Easter Monday. We won't be taking any calls that night because Michael and I are going to be putting together a special program, and we'll be talking about applying for a job and the rights of employees who make applications and also the rights of employers. So it's from both sides. We will be doing that on Monday, the 6th of April. Michael, once again, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. That was a very interesting questionnaires that we yes, got. We did. So thank you very much for that. It was fun. Right. If you'd like to email me, it's law at safm.co.za and Facebook is law on SAFM. And on the program next week, we'll be joined by attorney Marlene Portgitter. And on next week's program, we're going to be talking about social media and employment laws. One of those things that Michael goes on about quite a lot, about don't put weird things on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram because it'll come back to bite you. So that's what we're talking about next week. That's Monday, the 23rd of March. I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with Health Matters. So join me for that. And in the meantime, Stephen Kirk is up now with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.